0: Welcome to the latest edition. This is a special report of our OmniTalk Spotlight series brought to you, of course, by OmniTalk, one of the fastest growing blogs in retail. And today we are joined live by one of OmniTalk's favorite people out there in retail, and that is Chris Weaver, the head of brand for Cotton On Kids USA. And Chris is here to talk to us about COVID-19 and the impact he's seeing across his business and across specialty retail. So Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Excited to be here, Chris. Thank you for, uh, for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for those listening, Chris and I actually go way back. Uh, Chris has a very long career in retail, which I'm gonna ask him to tell you about. Uh, we've worked together in the past and he's one that I always look to in terms of providing me great insight on how to think about all levels of retail and especially on the operational side of things. I've learned a lot from him in my career. But Chris, why don't we start there? Give us a little bit about your background. You have been in the industry a long time. Tell us about the different jobs you've had, the different roles uh, you've taken across many impressive companies.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um started my career in the early 2000s with Abercrombie & Fitch um, was the store route. You know, manager in training, assistant manager, GM, and then, and then district manager. Um, I joined Target in 2007 um as a store team leader uh so i ran a store for almost two years and then um where i met you moved to minneapolis uh to work on the merchandise operations side so it was a, a great role where I, I really learned kind of the the minutiae and the gears behind what made a, an organization like that tick having just seen the operational side of, of retail at that point for my entire career um, and it was it was really illuminating and and um and just an outstanding opportunity. Uh, then I went back, moved back to Southern California um, as a store director. So I, I ran uh, the North LA market uh, for about two and a half years. And then in 2013, I, I made a, the, the interesting slash risky slash great decision uh, of joining Cotton On Group. Um, I joined as the director of retail and operations, um, soon started also running their field visual team. Um, so it was a, a bit of trial by fire, um, in terms of, you know, going from a very structured environment to an environment where I had to build, um, the entire structure almost, you know, by myself. Um, but that's, you know, what I wanted to do. I wanted the chance to kind of do something from the ground up. Um, I was in that role for almost five years, um, running, uh, about 120 stores, um, we had, uh, a very large team, 23, uh, plus district managers, uh, 22, uh, field visual managers, um, regionals, directors, et cetera. Um, and it was a great opportunity. I loved it. Um, and then two and a half years ago, almost two and a half years ago, um, I, I got the opportunity to, to take over a, a very small, uh, kids business at the time it was 12 stores and, um, try to get it ramped up for, for a little bit more growth uh, in the United States um, and that was a really exciting thing because I, I had always wanted to move beyond operations and spent my entire career doing operations so um, now having uh, a say and in visibility into planning buying production marketing um, essentially the entire business end to end was was a really you know exciting thing for me even though it was such a tiny you know, thing, I used to joke that cosmetics department at one of my target stores when I was a a director would have been uh, more money than the entire business that that I run now. Um, But, uh, you know, it was really a chance to kind of learn, learn end to end. And it's been an amazing opportunity. And the growth that we've seen, um, particularly over the last year has been just mind blowing. So um, obviously, we're in a bit of a shorter, uh, a bit of a, a different time right now. But I'm really excited to kind of get back to to being on the path that we were at, albeit it's probably going to be a, a bit of a different model going forward.
0: Yeah, I love the modesty too, and I think I I've always love the dichotomy between the target volume and then what you're doing now, and just knowing right. how much more <laughs> complex what you're doing now is, and where volume is not always the right right benchmark for how to look at things. But let, well, let's start there, and then and then I do want to click more into like what your specific role is today. Um, For the audience that isn't familiar with Cotton Cotton On, tell us a little bit about that company, its background, where it originates from, how many stores you have across the different brands, and just just everything that's happening within the the context of that operation.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, So Cotton On started in in 1991 um, in uh, Geelong, Australia, uh, which is a small kind of factory town. Uh, It's maybe about an hour um, away from Melbourne. So, the business grew from literally the trunk of our founder's car where he was selling denim jackets at a at a market um, over the weekend uh, to what it is today, which is uh, fourteen hundred stores in eighteen countries and over twenty two thousand employees so it's a family business um, it's been in America now for ten years um, but in a in a very very small scale so Um, Globally, we have eight brands. Um, We've got uh, everything from, um, you know, casual apparel to a little bit more mature apparel, uh, kids apparel, stationery, sport apparel, loungewear, uh, shoes, um, you know, travel gear. I mean, we've we've got a brand for everything. Uh, In the USA, we only have the the big three, which are Cotton On, uh, which is our adults brand, Cotton On Kids, which is the brand that I run, um, and typo, which is our stationary brand. Um, so it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing company. Um, the 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 founder is is still the managing partner, um, still very much involved in day to day operations. You get emails and texts from him all the time, going, I saw this thing over here. I was watching this show, and this came up. And you know, he's really hands on, and, and it feels very, it feels very connected, and and very much like a family, which is something that's that's been really appealing.
0: What, what's the big, I have to ask this question, what is the biggest, and also if anyone's listen, you know, anyone listening or, or watching on the webinar too, please feel free to ask your questions in the chat box and we'll try to include them into the show here as best as possible. But I have to ask, what is the biggest cultural difference working for an uh, Australian company versus like say an American company? And you've worked for some big American companies. So I'm curious, like yeah. what would be top of mind
1: there? It is. Uh, it is far more relaxed. Is I'll it? It that. is. It's what oh, you'd yeah. expect, huh? Oh yeah. It is. Uh, it's. It's exactly what you'd expect. Um. And I don't know if it's. It's because I came from Target, which, as you know, is is about the least relaxed corporate brand you can possibly imagine. It is sort of um, pent up.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exa- exactly. <laughs>
1: um, I remember once being being in a a series of of interviews for target and 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 my uh my boss's boss really got into me because the i the top button on my on my uh, suit was unbuttoned um and i had my tie tie, it was it was was as if i had sworn um, in the interview but yeah it's it's very um it's very casual um it's very direct um our our business has no real issue with a little bit of like help you back and forth and, and challenges um so it, it's not very political uh it, it's it's actually really refreshing um it's it's one of the things that i, I really like about um about being there and it's I, i've spent more time here than i have anywhere else in my career and that's a big part of the reason why
0: yeah wow that's interesting yeah i never thought about that and is, is crikey part of your vernacular now at home <laughs> in, in california with the wife and kids or no
1: you know, I, I think that the uh, I think that the biggest <laughs> thing that bothers the Australians is when Americans try and do impressions of them. I've, I've never heard anyone say g'day, day" <laughs> ironically. <laughs> right. um, you you I, didn't I like really Chris's crikey
2: impression, <laughs> Chris? Like I can't
1: imagine. Um, what'll What'll drive them absolutely crazy? We'll, you know, the, when the Australians come and visit, we'll have them over for dinner, and and the Outback Steakhouse commercial comes on, and it infuriates them. Oh, I can. Because. Imagine. It would it would essentially be like they had a USA themed restaurant in Australia where everyone sounded like they were from the deep deep South, and, and it just it makes them so angry. It's yeah. it's kind of funny to watch. I could see that for sure. For sure. <laughs> well,
2: so, Chris, I, can you talk to us a little bit about what life is like now for you? Um, just kind of give us a, a glimpse into um, you know what your primary focuses are right now. From from what they were when you started with cotton on to now in this kind of post COVID world,
1: yeah, it's um, it's been an opportunity to learn parts of the business that I, I had been a little bit hands off with before. So obviously we are fortunate to have our online uh, business running and, and being able to fulfill orders, which is is great. Um, you know, working on site remerchandising, um, working on. Um, putting together outfits, um, figuring out how quickly we can get something uh, from port uh, into our DC and onto our website and available for our customers and how to slow that, that lag time down. Um, These are all things that would have been, you know, not a significant portion of, of my, my daily role. It would be something that I looked at a few times a week and now it's something that I I look at daily. Um, You know, we, we've been able to, uh shift some some resources around from a perspective of having stock in stores um, actually brought back to our distribution center in order to fuel some of our online sales um, mm-hmm. you know one of the things that that's been a really big benefit for us has been that we always run very lean um, as a business I'm, I'm not afraid to have us sell out of things i'm not afraid to have um, demand for something not met by, by supply. I think it creates a bit of exclusivity and at our price point, I think that's important. Um, it's, it's played against us. You know, we, we ran out of things very, very quickly um, because the majority of that stock was in brick and mortar. Um, and now obviously 100% of our demand is online. So um, it, it looks very different. It looks a lot like this, Zoom meetings with, um, with my, uh, my head of uh, merchandising, Zoom meetings with our planning and buying teams in Australia. Um, and a lot of, you know, guesswork really around what the, the future is going to look like, what back to school is going to look like, what holiday is going to look like, you know, the impact this is going to have on Black Friday. And so we're, we're all doing our best, um, you know, impression of fortune tellers right now um, sure. with a lot of uncertainty. So uh, that's, that's kind of what day to day looks like right now.
0: Chris, how many stores, so at this point, is every store within the fleet in the United States effectively closed or any open at this point in time?
1: No, every store is, is effectively closed in the United States. Um, and I actually believe globally, I, I, I don't think we have any stores running in the world right now. Got it.
0: And so then from what you just said, so really the, the focus right now, it sounds like the focus really is on two fronts. You've got the e-commerce side of things at least on the business side, I want to talk about employees too, but on the business side, you've got e-commerce and trying to ramp that up as, as much as you can. Um, and then um, um, also I imagine there's probably a lot of work that's uh, been done since this all started on the inventory side. Uh, yeah. in terms of, I mean, we're hearing all kinds of things about gap, you know, canceling orders all the way, you know, through like, what is it? Fall August. September, let's yeah. say August. Yeah. What, how, how, how does that situation impact you guys how did you think about that what actions have you had to take and that's your point about guesswork you know how are you thinking about it going forward
1: yeah it's a great question um you know we're we're trying to use obviously our, our best intuition you, you you try and kind of read as much of the news as you can gauge public sentiment as much as you can but it, it's it's a really obviously no anyone who tells you they know there's the no answer is lying um, I think what everyone would agree on is is that there will be reduced traffic in, in retail stores for the foreseeable future, regardless of restrictions, you know, easing in the middle of May or the beginning of June or July. Whenever businesses come back online from a brick and mortar perspective, it's it's not going to be the same as it was in terms of traffic. So there's there's obviously going to, I think, continue to be a shift to a greater percentage of of online shopping and a lower percentage of brick and mortar traffic. That's going to continue for the foreseeable future. Um, how that has really changed the way that that i think about the businesses in a couple different ways it it means the areas where we aren't strong from an omni-channel perspective Um, i'll give you an example we do not do um ship from store sure so we do ship to store um and we do obviously the the online business but we can't fulfill an order out of one of our brick and mortar locations and that seems like a glaring hole right now that did not seem like a glaring hole four weeks ago. Um, again, we, we run our business very, very lean. We run between 11 and 13 weeks cover. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, super privy to what gap and others run but but it seems like it would be in the 20s so we run our inventory very lean it just means there's not a lot in the dc after we allocate to stores mm-hmm. so right now what's really hurting us and, and we had to take some steps to actually call inventory back from stores into our dc is the fact that we we've sold we've allocated everything into brick and mortar and then sold out of everything that we have mm-hmm. in our dc mm-hmm. so you know going forward from a, a planning perspective we're obviously going five fewer units. Um, we have rerouted as much as possible um, our June and July orders. Uh, being a multi hemisphere business, we have the ability to, to send those orders to Australia or send them to Hong Kong or send them to New Zealand um, and have them hold those and they're open to buy and wait uh, until it's seasonally relevant and then release those as, as new items, uh, which is what we're trying to do as much as humanly possible. Um, there have been order cancellations. Uh, mostly on things that were kind of end of season. So if we had, you know, swim coming in June for an end of season push um, that was canceled. Um, But in terms of back to school uh, we've sharpened and and narrowed our assortment a little bit. Um, We've cut down our quantities a little bit, Um, but I'm I'm still anticipating that, that when kids go back to school, and again, this is relevant to a, a children's business, but when kids go back to school, especially after mom's been homeschooling for five months, she's not going to wait to be able to put them in a little outfit and, and send them <laughs> on their way, send them on their way. Right. <laughs> so I, I do think in terms of kids, there will be a demand in August for, for newness. So we haven't trimmed that um, quite as much as, as we've trimmed other months. So for you, it's a little bit,
0: it's really about repositioning and making sure the inventory is in the right place with what you have. You run it lean, making sure it's in the right place. And then actually it sounds like the other big theme there for the listeners is really, Seeing what capabilities you you may need, so you talked about shipping from store, but making sure that that's something you guys can potentially look to do uh, in the future, um, you know, as, as as the demand potentially comes back. One question I have along those lines too, and actually I was just writing about this a little bit. Oh, you know, many of your stores I'd assume are you know in, in mall-based locations or in yep. shopping center-type locations. Um, how do you guys look at so like how is the act and a lot of stores have been going or a lot of retailers i should say have been going to buy online pick up in store as kind of the surrogate yeah. option during this time how how have you guys thought about that or looked at that where is that in the whole kind of scheme uh, that you just described
1: yeah i actually read your your forbes article uh this morning so i did <laughs> oh, I a little bit of homework <laughs> on it um i liked it on linkedin too oh, so thanks. i got you an impression Thanks, um, dude. yeah it's um it's something that we offer right now okay um it's something that our customers do uh do do choose actually uh, um, a decent amount of time and um again because we like to run lean our our customers who are primarily moms are are used to coming in and not necessarily seeing their size but they're also used to really regular visits to the store a lot of our core customers you see them every week um, or you see them every two weeks and they're just looking for what's new and you know, taking the kids out for for a little bit. So, um, we have the, the capability of doing that right now. I would imagine um, that's going to be something that is is prioritized a lot more okay. um, going forward. I, I think that you know, if you're if you're assuming fewer trips to the mall and just fewer trips out in public in general for the next several months, um, I don't think mom wants to take a risk that that the thing that she wants is sold out and she doesn't have her size i if she can find it online um and then she can make that trip into the store and see if there's anything else that she likes but i think especially with those core staples the ability to know ahead of time that it's going to be there when you when you get there um is going to become more important in in an environment of reduced shopping trips overall
0: that's a great point especially with the kids business that you're that you're managing
1: yeah
2: is there anything else that you can think of, you know, as you're talking about those moms who are your core customer or clients from your perspective, you know, how are you messaging what the customer expectation should be kind of coming back into stores or like, what should we be doing? I guess my, my question is like, what should we be thinking about or, or tr- if we're trying to help or trying to get get things back up and running? Like, how do we do that? What should we be knowing as the public that's uh, your consumer?
1: yeah um it's a good question i i think that you know i guess what i would tell a customer that asked me that question is is we're going to do whatever it, it, you need to feel comfortable i mean obviously there's going to be sanitation and social distancing measures there's going to be occupancy restrictions that we'll we'll put in place um we have yet to see anything from from osha or from from anyone in our states or, or municipalities we operate in regarding specifically Occupancy restrictions, but we will absolutely have measures like that going forward from a PPE perspective for our teams. Um, You know, whatever is going to make people feel um, safe and and understand that we take um, their health and and safety very seriously is is what you know we're absolutely willing to do. Um, You know, it's challenging because that obviously differs from from person to person. So I think what my stance would be is that we take, you know, the the most rigorous version of that. And if someone thinks like, you know, they're going a little bit too far, that's fine. I'd rather have that than than the other option. Um, you know, I think a lot of specialty retailers in particular who have been deemed non-essential businesses rightly mm-hmm. um, and have been closed down, I think you're going to see them come back with an appreciation for their customer that, that they've never had before, um, you know, go, going from you know, hundred percent of your business full throttle to, you know, 30 or 35% of your business. I think a lot of people are going to be grateful just to have anyone coming into their stores again. Um, and, and they're going to be willing to do whatever it takes to make those people feel like their, um, their health and safety and comfort is, is, the top priority.
2: Well, and let's talk about too, I think one part of cotton on that you guys really focus on is the transparency with your, your manufacturers and your and suppliers too. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how you've been messaging, you know, what's happening from their perspective too, when, you know, orders are being rerouted and schedules are kind of being changed. If you can share with us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, you know, in terms of our, our sustainability efforts, um, that's, that's a core value. Um, and and it's, it's not something that we're going to, to shift or change. Um, you know, this obviously will put a strain on our supply chain just like it will anyone else's um you know like i mentioned earlier we're in a fortunate position of being a multi-hemisphere business to where we we are able to not cancel um as many orders as as competitors who are only based in northern um or or southern um but from the perspective of um you know the, the messaging of that i i don't think really changes you know we've been um hyper vigilant around uh, letting customers know if there are any delays in shipping, uh, letting customers know if there are any delays in uh, our ability to fulfill orders, um, down to where I've actually uh, been, you know, reaching out to customers personally that are on our Instagram going, I ordered this a week ago, um, and working back with our, our distribution teams, figuring out what happened to their orders. Um, you know, it's something that everybody takes, takes very, very seriously. My, my boss's boss, who's our chief revenue officer will send me screenshots, you know, um, what I I wake up to in the morning going, can we help this person find their, um, you know, find their order. So, uh, we're, we're doing our best to be as transparent as possible when, when we have delays and, and being proactive about letting people know when we have delays, um, in terms of, of our overall supply chain, um, you know. It's it's in our best interest and our suppliers' best interest to make sure that that we don't hurt their business, um, you know, more than than ours is being hurt. So, you know, there there are things that we can do with raw materials. For example, um, we had a denim short, a, a loopback denim short that was coming for July. Um, was really excited about the short, um, and and unfortunately we we had to cancel that order. But in lieu of just saying sorry, you're going to have to eat cost of material. We went back and made it into a denim jean that we're going to launch for fall. Um, so so there are various things that we can do with, with raw materials from production, From a production side. Um, we've converted a couple of, of really cool fashion tie-dyed short sleeve shirts into long sleeve hoodies for a fall transitional garment. So there's things that we can do to make it easier on our suppliers. Where we're not just asking them to completely throw stuff away, but we're going to use some of the things that we had planned, some of the, um, fabric that we were excited about, um, to do other kinds of, flows. And I think, you know, our, our, um, our global head of production, um, Penny Donaldson is, is an incredibly intelligent, talented and experienced person. Um, you know, and, and I know personally from traveling with her, being in China with her, um, you know, the, the, health and well-being and financial well-being of of our production partners is extremely important to her and, and i have no doubt that we're going to continue to protect it as best we can
0: yeah, a good lesson in there. I think it's a phrase that's been coming up a lot lately. Constraint leads to invention. And it, it's cool to see. Although I am a little scared that uh, jean shorts were back on the fashion trend. But we'll put that one aside. We'll put that
1: one aside for a little while because I can not, remember not, high school. Not in the, the, the jean shorts.
2: Yeah, not those jean shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are coming back up. You can get rid of those. You
1: can get rid you're, you're a dad. You can't tell me you don't have a pair of knee-length carpenter shorts. Oh, my God. I do have carpenter jeans,
0: yeah, which, which we've been <laughs> debating whether or not I should wear them on the show. But uh, yeah uh, don't do that cargo jeans too actually um but uh hey one thing i want to ask you before we get you out of here on on how millennial are you and then open it up for questions um all three of us you know and uh and chris you and i have all worked in stores and that's one of the things i think that we pride ourselves on here at omni talk is you know having having done retail at that level and so i and one of the things that also is i'd say cannot be talked about enough within the conversation of what's going on uh, with COVID-19 and in retail in general right now is the impact it's having on employees. Yep. So think back when this announcement broke, like how were you thinking about employees? What was top of mind and, and, and how are you thinking about that going forward? Because I, I do still think that's probably the biggest challenge out there. And, and to your point about reengaging with customers. If we can handle the employees the right way across the industry, I think the customers will naturally follow so yeah
1: 100 percent. i mean uh, my first thought and the first kind of conversations that that we had as a as a senior leadership team um were all around uh, on, around the people plan um we we were able for for quite a while to um continue to pay our teams um it was percentage based and they were able to use lead to top up um we were really proud of that um we were um in terms of specialty retailers um especially among our competition we were one of the last uh, to move to furlough, which, which we were proud of and, and continue to be proud of. Um, you know, the, the, the stimulus package, the way that that impacted a company like us and our size, um, we're, we're too big to be too, or we're too small to be too big to fail. Um, mm-hmm. and we're not, and we're not a small business. Right. So, you know, we fit somewhere in, in, in that middle area and the way that the, the federal government chose to help us was by helping pay our employees uh, more with with a lot of the the weekly checks um you know the one-time payments and things like that so what what i found um in, in working with our people team was when we were first doing some of the salary reductions and this federal stimulus came out our employees were actually asking to go on furlough um because it, quite frankly it was actually it was more money for them yeah. um, to, to take that option um, you know with what we pay people it, it completely makes sense if you're a, a mid um, you know tier in terms of, of a retailer a lot of your store employees are yeah. going to be better off um, you know for that period of time we felt very confident that we would be bringing people back before that um, those expired um, and so in the end it, it ended up being the, the right decision for us to make I can tell you I talked to, um, every single one of obviously my direct reports when the decision was made. I talked to all of their direct reports and I talked to several of their direct reports, um, that I have personal relationships with down to our store manager and assistant manager level in stores. Um, I didn't talk, I didn't talk to one person that didn't understand the decision, um, or that didn't feel like it was, it was handled the correct way. Um, everybody understood it without having it to be explained to them. I think the really key thing is bringing people back. Yeah, that was gonna uh, be my next question. Especially yeah, with all this talk
0: know, of we reopen on May fifteenth or whatever it is. Like, yeah, how are you thinking through that?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that we need to. We can't overpromise things that that we can't deliver on. I, I you know, if we open on May fifteenth, mm-hmm. um, okay, you know is that going to look like significantly reduced hours in stores? We're already anticipating significantly reduced demand. So if you have a store that's on a higher tier of payroll because they make, you know, two or $3 million, um, you know, you don't necessarily expect that same level of demand. So, you know, it, it won't be a cookie cutter approach and it won't, it won't be one size fits all. We'll really have to look at it by store. Um, we'll really have to look at it by by market. Um, and you know, the customer's willingness or reluctance to, to come back into brick and mortar will determine how much and how quickly we're able to bring our entire team um back but that it will be a bit of fluidity in the process certainly
0: and that gives you some time to do that too that's great that's great yeah <sighs> all right well on that last petty topic uh, we gotta let's 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 lighten the mood here a little bit and again if anyone has questions for chris now is probably the time uh to submit them in the chat section on zoom uh, but Anne, why don't you uh, take it away here with our favorite game, which is how millennial are you?
2: Okay, Chris Weaver. Here we go. First question. Uh, in the last trip that you went to a, we'll say a grocery store, for example, um, in more traditional times, not during <laughs> COVID-19, uh, Yeah. were you more likely to pull out a credit card or cash or use mobile payment?
1: Oh, I'm obsessively mobile payment really yeah, what obsessively what, what platform um i do i do apple pay okay so I've, I've got i've got two two cards on there and i i just kind of switch off depending on what i'm getting but i'm obsessive about mobile payment
0: nice are you using a watch you don't have like the apple watch do you for mobile no payment? i don't okay. i don't do the apple
1: Watch. i didn't think you'd
0: roll that way okay yeah right. good to know
2: Uh, next question is um in the last week how many times have you ordered food or drinks or groceries from
1: an app um good question we probably maybe only two um i I had to get something from home depot that i I bought on on an app um and we had to do um we we did we did a a a total wine run nice um, because wine and homeschooling go hand in hand sure. um but you know what we've been trying to do a lot we've actually got in in my neighborhood we've got two small delis um that have been here for you know 60 plus years um and they don't have apps or anything like that and they don't do grub so what we've tried to do is really uh, eat at both of those a couple times so we can just keep our, our support for some of our smaller local businesses
2: Nice, that's great. Yeah, I mean that's lower than I think some of the other responses, especially during this time. It feels like people yeah. are using that quite a bit more than normal. But but I love the answer. I think that's great. I'm glad i I think if we're being honest, people. Dan,
1: we've we've got a three year old and a five year old, and, and sometimes you just want to get out of the house. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> totally understand. Yeah, we're all in that absolutely. same boat, all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
2: Um, okay, last question is if you could only use one app which one would you choose and why?
1: Ooh, a social nice. app,
2: I should say. Mm. Social app.
1: Social app. Yes. Um, so a very quick story. Uh, I've never been on Twitter. Um, so when what? this, yeah, I know. So when this whole, because I, I just knew I would be obsessive and go down rabbit holes. So mm. when this whole thing started, I'm like, I'm going to download Twitter. Uh, okay. I downloaded Twitter on a Wednesday and I deleted it on Friday because um, I was just like, I literally could not stay off of the thing. Because you were was, addicted it was, to it? You got addicted to it that di- fast. I was addicted to it. Really? And um yeah, I deleted deleted my account. I deleted everything and I deleted the app. So that was uh oh yeah, it was a what were you addicted so to? Strong. Like what were I you everything everything from Like you were know, you following certain things? Was it okay sports news to you know reading every news article that I was you know, mad about the title of. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was hateful. It was really bad. Um, so yeah. You know, Twitter's I, like I, angry sex for reading. You know, it it's like read, it's, it's really read. weird. It I just it's thought just of that. Hate but... reading. Yeah, it's, just it's like hate reading. reading. Yeah, you read the title and you then you read the article and go, that's not what the article says. And then I'm <laughs> reading the comments. And I'm just like, you know, forty minutes has passed. My kids are sitting next to me. It was not a good look. Yeah. um So it's it's definitely Instagram. It's it's really the only social media that uh, that I have, and and um, I like to look at happy pictures. It makes me a, lo- a much more calm person. And. Uh, my own personal Instagram is just pictures of my my daughters doing funny things, and and that makes me happy.
2: Yeah, that's we're hearing answer. that a lot,
0: Anne. Where Instagram is like everyone's happy place right now, so not yeah. just like kind of you know that's a whole new angle in the last like three or four weeks. And so we've been doing these questions forever, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's fast. What about TikTok? Is TikTok alive and well in the Weaver household yet? I mean.
1: Yeah, it's not. Girls, like, no, it is okay. not. Yeah, the kids are too young to want it, and okay. um, both both my wife and I feel like uh, we are way too old to have it. So there's no <laughs> there's no middle there's no middle generation there to uh, for the demand for TikTok in the Weaver household right now.
2: If so. Twitter gets you angry, Chris, I don't think TikTok is a wise download for <laughs> yeah, you. Probably. I think yeah, TikTok oh is. Much more time-consuming, and the content is way worse than uh, than anything you'll
1: find on Twitter. At least you're learning yeah. something on Twitter. We see people posting them on our Instagram feeds, and we're just like, "Yeah, we're out. We're good on that. Yeah, yep. we're done." So,
0: how millennial are you, Chris Weaver? Not really millennial that much <laughs> at all. <laughs> that's good. Self-admitted, but <laughs> but that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, we'll close it up here on that note. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll take your questions after the show if there are any for chris but again it's been chris weaver the head of brand for cotton on kids usa today usa excuse me not usa today usa i'd like to thank chris and on behalf of ann and of course myself i want to say to all of you out there as we do each and every week and it's never more important than it is right now be careful out there